The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to NXT The Rise and Fall, a look back podcast here on the SGP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and with me, as always, is the person you really want to hear from, the King, Joshua Goodwin. How are we doing, sir? I have had a nap, Sai. I am not asleep this time. <laughs> Let's let's go and let's try and make some sense this go round. Oh, see, I don't know, mate. Sleepy Goodwin was funny last time because you, you got so fired up about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know; it might happen anyway. Because uh, I got a few things. I'm I've got a few things here in my notes that I'm a little bit salty about. So let's yeah, let's Ooh. go with it. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okie doke. Uh, today's episode of NXT Rise and Fall is looking at the NXT TV episode first aired on the 1st of August 2012. Uh, the show begins with shots of the crowd, and then we cut to a pre taped Dusty Rhodes promo announcement kind of effort, I guess. And we're getting what I want at last. They got a belt for you, Sai. Yay. <laughs> you got your belt. <laughs> Uh, it's a single elimination tournament, and in case that ever at any point during this episode slips your mind, Jim Ross will remind you over and over and over again. Uh, eight-man tournament for the championship, the first ever NXT title. The eight men involved are Seth Rollins, Richie Steamboat, Leo Kruger, uh, Drew McIntyre, Justin Gabriel, Jinder Mahal, Bo Dallas, and Michael McGillicuddy. Apparently, looking on uh certain sites when i was doing a couple of notes beforehand they wanted to have a mix of four nxt guys and four main roster guys involved in this tournament was what i read so Mm. i suppose it's trying to bring eyes to the product from that aspect i guess joshua i guess so um the thing that i noticed 
was that with the exception of one match, which I believe was Bo Dallas and Jinder Mahal, they're all rematches, mm. which in of itself isn't necessarily a problem, but it just struck me as a bit lazy. Yeah, yeah, there was that. And, I mean, the first tournament match comes up straight after this announcement. We have Richie Steamboat versus a uh, good friend of the show, Leo Kruger. And <laughs> <laughs> My boy. That- yeah, that in itself was a rematch because we get clips of their previous contest. Later on in the show, our main event is another tournament match, which is a rematch literally from the previous week's NXT, wasn't it? They're running it back, Si. They're running them all back. Yeah, which is a shame because, I mean, they've got, I imagine, quite a substantial number of wrestlers available to them. But I suppose the aspect might be some of the people on their roster may not be ready for the TV show yet, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I I think they're just they're trying to establish these rivalries, and mm. that's and that's you know it makes sense. It's a good goal to aim for, but it does all seem a little bit nail on the head, and it's also it's all just a bit fifty fifty booking again. Si. like yeah. it seems to be rearing its ugly head, especially yes. as um, things keep going with this show here. You'll see again spoilers to anyone who's not watched it. Though if you've not watched it and you're listening to our review, uh, sorry, what were you expecting? Um, <laughs> the Kruger and Steamboat, well, Steamboat wins, gets his win back, and then later Seth will get his win back. So it's, mm-hmm. and just, it's somewhat uninspired. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit lazy, isn't it? As you said, it's, I think that sums it up very, very well. Uh, before we get into the first match though, and have a little look at what goes on between Steamboat and Kruger. I suppose we want to have a little look at what was going on this week in wrestling with the Goodwin Report. The Goodwin Report. Yeah, let's do it, Si. Um, on the subject of lazy booking, we've got a fair, <laughs> we've got a fair bit of it here. Um, so Goodwin Report from this week of the august 1st interesting fact august 1st is george hackenschmidt's birthday you know, ah, okay so that's uh yeah fun little thing while i was doing yeah. my research so um part of the goodwin report this week is hackenschmidt had some cake <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i doubt it because he would have been dead but <laughs> um but on on monday night raw on raw 1001 there was a fire sorry oh. there was a fire in the building Oh my it goodness. wasn't part of the story or anything. The building just caught fire. Um, but in other news, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a returning Randy Orton beat NXT alum Heath Slater. Tyson Kidd beat Tensai. Oh, I'll tell you what. I completely forgot about Tyson Kidd. Why isn't he in this tournament? He, actually, that's a fair point because he's definitely, again, I agree with you. I think he's probably the MVP with the exception of Leo Kruger. Um <laughs> Yeah, but he, uh, but yeah, he beat um, beat Lord Tenside by disqualification, so it doesn't count. Uh, right. And then a number one contenders match main event with Big Show and John Cena was also ended in no contest when Punk interfered, oh. and so new GM AJ Lee made the match a triple threat for SummerSlam, which yay, but also non finishing your main event. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the yeah Raw One Thousand non finishing non finishing your main event. Ugh lazy yes it is um over on smackdown booker t is the new gm okay <laughs> i don't remember that at all yeah yeah he was made um he was made the i mean he was gm for a time 
Uh, also topical because Booker T is about to be made an, a commentator for NXT. Did you? Yeah, uh, they're going back to two man booths, aren't they? Two man well, booths. Like, yeah. I think Raw is still going to be a three man booth. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the other ones are going to be two man booths. They also ran something else backside from last week. They had Antonio Cesaro beat Santino Morella again in the exact same way as last week. Oh. And then they also had Ryback beat Jinder Mahal again, this time by disqualification, though. <laughs> um, right. Dar- Darren Young also features on SmackDown, but he's just too blah for me to remember. Um, they did have Abraham Washington as their manager, though. Do you remember that Abraham Washington was first a thing and also the manager of the primetime players? No, I don't. That does not ring a bell whatsoever. I, mean, I can't so, remember Booker T being GM for crying out loud. <laughs> so Abraham Washington was sort of a personality that they brought into ECW. He had like a chat show for a little while. Um, he then became a manager. He managed the primetime players for a little while until an unsavory comment got his ass fired. <laughs> oh, okay. What did he? Can you repeat I, this comment? Or yes, I believe I can. Um, and without context, it doesn't mean so much. And I won't get into the context. I'll let people dig it out. But he was doing guest commentary. And I believe he said that Titus O'Neil was like Kobe Bryant in a Las Vegas hotel room. He is unstoppable. Okay. Right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, if you're going to get fired for anything, styling it out, like, out of a funny comment on commentary, I suppose it's one way to go. But <laughs> It sure is, man. Um, main event, Randy Orton beat Alberto Del Rio by disqualification. So not a good week for clean finishes in the WWE. No. Not a good I, week I, hate, I don't mind. I, the DQs happen and they're there for a purpose. Count types happen. The rule is there for a purpose, of course. But to have it so often, it kind of does take away from what, you, what, you, what you're watching, doesn't it? Well, it's all over my report card here, Si. So it's just, it's mm. just too much of it. You need to have some wins and you need to have some losses. Um, over into the wider world of wrestling real quick. Um, on an episode of TNA impact that was aired live the day after this broadcast. Uh, you had the team of Austin Aries and Kenny King defeat Bobby Roode and Zima ion, all of whom wind up being NXT alum with the exception of Kenny King, which is interesting. Okay. Hmm. Um, also a quick little factoid. If you ever have me doing results from TNA, it means that nothing else interesting happened in the wider world of pro wrestling <laughs> because you can, you can guarantee you look at a TNA card and someone from that card will be an NXT alum at yeah. this stage. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, TNA, I enjoyed. I mean, it was on Bravo for a while, wasn't it? Yes. That, the channel Bravo. And I think it ended up on, was it on Challenge TV? Like the game show cha- channel? Yes. Bit? Yes, it was on Challenge. Yeah, I remember yeah. it being on Challenge. It was just like that and Bullseye. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, two great programs. <laughs> oh, both stellar programs. Just one of these things is not like the other. You've yeah, got like exactly. old, older, old quiz shows. Oh, and the wrestling. Yeah, you don't. You know, you say one of these things is not like the other. You don't expect Jim Bowen to bust out a tombstone pile driver or anything like that, do you? Nah, so, maybe Bully. Bully might. Yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's got. Yeah. A, he's got. A, he's got a stature to him, hasn't he? So. <laughs> yeah, I imagine him to get booked very much like Biggie Langston because of his size. Oh, Biggie Langston. Yes, but we will get to him shortly. Uh, before we do, we need to have a quick run through what happens in our opener. Um, for me, this match 
served a purpose without being spectacular, but also wasn't dreadful. It was it was just kind of there. It was the opener. You got your popular steamboats. You got Leo Kruger doing what he can to try and get 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 the booze, I guess. Uh, yep. We start off very quickly with Steamboat trying to make a couple of quick pin attempts before he gets, you know, literally slapped across the mush. He does. He gets slapped across the mush. You have the old uh, WCW chase around the ring cut off. Yeah. <laughs> when you get yeah. the guy on the way back in. Um, yeah, I, I did actually quite like that, especially in the context of the tournament. Like, you want to get those wins. Like, it's important that we win. And as you said, they're hammering home. The first that it's a single elimination tournament, but also that it's a big deal to be the first NXT champion. And I thought that was a good way to set the tone, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, really, because when it comes to new champions and new, uh, I suppose, new new companies, mm. we don't see many on a massive scale in our lifetime, do we? We've seen companies go to the wall, obviously, WCW, ECW and various others. Uh but you look at the companies that I suppose I, I primarily have wa- watched or have watched. WWE has been around my whole lifetime. Yeah. Uh, AEW is, of course, new. So all their championships are new. Um, TNA or Impact Wrestling as it is now, I can remember it starting, but it was a case of reading about it in the wrestling magazines as opposed to seeing it because it was a weekly pay-per-view thing for it, a while. And <laughs> It was pretty difficult to find. You really had to be... Uh really invested at least in the early days because you say it was internet pay-per-view which yeah again the early 2000s internet pay-per-view was not the the sharpest medium so yeah you had to really care yeah exactly and and their their world title for the early part of of tna's existence was the nwa championship anyway so that was about that or championship sorry that already existed so i think maybe this this could be the first new world championship potentially of it, my watching life, maybe? It could be. It could be. I mean, I imagine there would have been some during your youth that maybe just passed you by. Yeah. Um, but if this was the first one, I, it really I'm so, it really struck me that you called it a championship instead of a belt. Okay. That you did you you corrected yourself like I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, because I was talking more. I was talking No, no, no. I was talking more from the standpoint of um, the the title itself, as opposed to uh-huh. the belt. If I if I say belt, I'm referring to the actual um, the actual belt itself, the the the, the, the physical thing. The, the champ. I mean, you look at say the NXT title. And I'm going to ask your opinions on this a bit later on. Uh, mm-hmm. We have seen a few different belts represent that championship. If if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, different iterations of the physical belt. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was kind of getting. That's so where the championship itself, as opposed to oh, I've seen lots of new world title belts arrive and go especially in wwe they seem to be changing belts every fortnight but um (laughs) yeah okay uh we get a spot here from kruger where he's faking a knee injury to sort of take advantage of steamboat being a nice guy or maybe a bit naive yeah i i actually was and i've watched it twice and i'm not entirely sure um because it looked like he was playing possum and it was very much the, the old spot where he's playing possum, mm. but he, he gives him the shot and then continues to sell the knee, which makes right. me think that maybe he had hurt his knee and was just sort of powering through. Now, either yeah. he was thinking about, you know, people like me with the, with the wrestling brain or he, he was just powering through. I mean, both are equally possible. 
Um, but it was interesting because normally when you have a moment like that, especially for a character like Kruger to do the whole, oh, my knee, my baddie knee, please don't hit me. And then for him to get the one up on you, he tends to then gloat about it. You know, you yes. before like someone has a bad knee, they'll give them the shot and then they'll do some jumping jacks or whatever to prove, to show how very smart they are and how very stupid everyone else is to have been duped by yeah. their Machiavellian machinations. Oh, fantastic words there. Look at that. Uh, also, I think the shot he gives as well might lean into what you're saying, because whenever you see somebody do this, uh, this, this, I'm hurt playing possum kind of aspect, and then they nail their opponent, the, the actual move they then do, I think is hugely important for it to make complete sense beforehand. But he mm-hmm. kind of throws a forearm without really, I suppose, uh, in my very naive, limited vocabulary when it comes to describing this sort of thing, uh, without kind of really powering into it, he hits him with the shot. And of mm. course, these are big fellas smacking each other in the chops. But I almost expected him to do more on the reveal of it maybe being him not being as honest. Sure, I can uh, I can understand that one. Um, yeah, I, th- I can see, yeah, you, he would follow up with it. Or maybe, mm. you know, use the injured limb or the yeah. supposedly injured limb, like hit him with a kick. Um, yeah, I just, it doesn't, it just didn't seem quite right. It was either deliberately like awkward or he was just powering through a bit of an injury. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, these things happen as well. You think about it. Yeah. You're a massive bloke like that. And the move that uh, led to him doing this, he's literally just dropped onto his feet from a certain height. It's very easy to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he, he'd just been Irish whip prior and it's just one of those things, you know, people just get hurt. People don't always get hurt doing like the crazy stuff. It's like the innocuous stuff, like walking across the ring. Yeah. You know? It's like yeah. when people like, like screw their backs up, like tying their shoelaces or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've got a couple of examples of that myself. I, I, I hurt my back quite badly, slipped two discs in my back and damaged some nerve ends and all that sort of nonsense. Just picking up a bag at football. That's all it was. My daughter herself, she's a very, very good footballer, spends pretty much every match she plays getting kicked in the air, lumps kicked out of her because she is so talented. Um, she was just jogging when she blew her knee out. And it's just, it's, it's so strange how these things can happen, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's potentially the accumulative wear and tear. Sometimes it's just stuff mm. happens. Yeah. You know? And I think that's kind of how it goes. And as you say, every, uh, every big, massive calamitous injury doesn't always happen because of big calamity. I mean, Cody Rhodes is a good example. Not so long ago, right? Like yes. he exploded his pack, just lifting a few weights. Yeah. I think I would explode more than my pack trying to lift a weight at the moment in my current <laughs> physical condition, but there we go. Um, <laughs> Steamboat does fight back eventually though. And he hits quite a nice looking drop kick from the top rope. Uh, mm. Kruger is all about trying to get the sleeper on though. He, he applies it a couple of times with Steamboat kind of escaping. Um, but then out of nowhere, Steamboat, well, it felt to me like it was out of nowhere. Steamboat gets the three count with quite a clunky, almost slow motion looking sling blade. Yeah, it's that sling blade again. Mm. Um, with the sleeper, yeah, I thought it was really good storytelling that it's it's Kruger's big weapon. He went for it three times at least. He went for it early. He went for it often. Everything was built into it. The commentary made a point of saying this is his move. If he gets it on, it's done. And when he did eventually get it locked in, it looked like it could have been over. And it just happened that 
steamboat fell towards the ropes in the right way so he could grab him mm. um so the sling blade right yes. i've said moves don't matter this move matters because first off your finish matters more than anything because it tends to be the thing that people remember people remember your character they remember your entrance they tend to remember the end of the match yeah and also you think about how you're getting moves you literally just said yourself about the sleeper being pushed and pushed it sticks mm. in my mind that that's the okuga's <laughs> finisher having just watched the show because of how much it was pushed so here's the thing can you really tease a sling blade I don't think so, because sometimes I, I don't even realize you're doing a sling blade till you're halfway through. Sometimes it could just be a clothesline. That's the thing. I think that the, the sling blade works in the context of being a counter to a clothesline. Mm -hmm. Right. So other than that, when can it really be employed? So to have that as have it as a move in your repertoire. Sure, that makes sense. But to have it as your finisher, it's just a little too contrived for me. Because unless the guy's throwing a clothesline in that moment, you can't do like so sweet chin music, right? Yeah. Or go to super kick. You can hit that out of nowhere. You can also tease it. You can, you know, go in your corner, stomp the foot like yeah. HBK. Um, you can do it in a lot of different ways. It's more versatile, right? So to have your finish be that contrived, I think is detrimental. It's detrimental to storytelling because you can't be like, oh, he's looking for that sling blade. Like, mm. is he looking for that sling blade or is he just standing in the corner? <laughs> yeah. And, I suppose and also, you almost, sorry, you almost need a, a signal to like, like Shawn Michael standing in the corner, stamping his foot. You almost need a signal to the crowd to make them aware. This is what you're going, you're thinking of, but obviously we don't get that here. Do we? No, we don't. And I also, again, for me, it just feels as if it's just a move that just isn't, you can't get into it and out of it. You can't counter it as well mm -hmm. you can't visually obviously counter a sling blade how do you, have you ever seen someone attempt a sling blade and miss i never have I don't think so and no. i think the, i think the reason for that is there's no way of doing it that looks good i mean that's just my uh somewhat somewhat professional opinion yeah, <laughs> um, no i understand also how would you how would you build to that i mean for example uh you have a wrestler for for argument's sake i don't know um who uses an arm bar as a finish just say yeah. You you work oh, okay. Better example: Rick Flair, the figure four. He sure. will work on the knees. He will work on the legs, mm -hmm. aiming to go towards his his finisher, the figure four. Mm -hmm. How would you do that with a sling blade? Um, I don't believe that you can. Mm. And it's, it's not as choice, if, isn't it? it? It's not as if every move has to be like that. Like submissions, obviously, do favor like working on a limb. Um, like you don't necessarily have Roman Reigns working on the ribs to set up for the spear. No, true. But but with this say the move like the spear, you can hit it out of nowhere. You can also build to it. He's you know got his corner setups. I think the sling blade just isn't versatile enough to be a finishing maneuver. Mm -hmm. Um I think it definitely hurts Richie Steamboat and I think it hurts his potential for storytelling within the within the context of a wrestling match to have that as his finishing move. So yeah. Get it in the bin. Get it in the bin as soon as possible. Keep, like, not entirely keep it in your repertoire, but, like, that does not work, especially as you finish. As you finish, it does not work to the point where you said it surprised you. I think it surprised the commentary because they didn't make a big deal of it. They're like, oh, counter by Steamboat. Oh, and that's the finish. It's like, oh, yeah. did not work for me. Yeah, there's something missing for me 
with Steamboat. I don't know whether it is just the finish or what. I don't know. But there's something... I can't put my finger on it, which is quite frustrating from my standpoint. But I can't... I can't explain what it is, but there's something missing. I, I, mm-hmm. I almost want to see more from him. Yeah. And I, to be fair, I don't think he's not had anything tremendously long yet. Like this was probably the longest match he's done. And while it was fine, like, you know, you look at his dad, he was wrestling 25, 30 minute matches. Yeah. He was, the rest, he yeah. was wrestling guys like, and also he's a, he's a character or rather he's a guy without a character. He's more sort of a, person that has to have his work like stand out and get him over right yeah. so it takes and in instances like that it, te- it does take longer to get over if you're just a, a pure wrestler if you don't really have that character that's easy and quick to latch onto. um and so yeah as you said i think you just need to see more of him mm. you know, like, perhaps that's what it is perhaps, perhaps character is what he needs i don't know maybe or again he might just need more time and yeah. a new finish because it sucks Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Hi, I'm Connor McCabe from the Connor Knows Soccer YouTube channel. I just want to tell you about my new show, Connor Knows Horror, coming to you each Tuesday on the SJP World Media Network. Connor Knows Horror is a show for all horror fans dedicated to give you a brief plot summary at number grade with the main goal of you checking out the movie for yourself. Beware, spoilers are included. You can follow me on Twitter at ConnorNosFooty for all your football or soccer needs. And you can follow my personal account at Connor McCabe. Uh, after the match, we see our first look at the actual tournament brackets. Um, mm-hmm. We find out that Richie Steamboat in the next round will face the winner of Bo Dallas and Jinder Mahal. And mm-hmm. the other side of the draw, there are two quarterfinals. We have Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, which is our main event later on this evening. And mm-hmm. Justin Gabriel will take on Michael McGillicuddy. So, yeah, I mean, I'm quite happy. with. I, I wish Tyson Kidd was in there, but I think I'm, I'm relatively happy with, with the brackets that we get and the, 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 the people involved anyway. As you said, maybe not so much the rematches, but... Yeah, the individuals, it it makes sense. They're all higher tier guys, either in NXT or around the uh, NXT loop. Mm. Um, Yeah, the the individuals in question don't seem to be out of place. Not one of them. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. We then get another one of our little video uh, packages, a vignette, I guess, promoting Biggie Langston before we get the, the caption debuts next so our next match is exactly that the debut of biggie and he is facing a fellow called adam mercer do you know much about adam mercer joshua um i know that he had a nice crew cut and a beautiful pair of tights there we go that's pretty much all i've got as well (laughs) (laughs) the last thing mercer had to do with the wrestling business was uh, he had he picked up an injury I, i read a serious head injury as he says against Eric Rowan uh, during an NXT match. And he then tried to sue the company and he went along with Big Vito from WCW, who was trying to sue WWE many years ago about injuries and so on, but it kind of just got thrown out of, thrown out of court. So yeah, that was the last kind of mention of him in wrestling circles, I think. Well, WWE do have very good lawyers. Um, maybe the yeah. <laughs> maybe the head injury is something for us to look forward to down the road. You never know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, this here, uh, just 
it's just exactly as it should be for me. A guy like Big E and, and the build up towards him, he just squashes the guy. Just pure they, power, destroys him. So they smashed him over, side. They smashed mm. him over, and that's exactly what they needed. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago, Bray Wyatt didn't need his credentials. Um, the opposite was the case with Big E. Like, the commentary listed his credentials, like his ridiculous weightlifting accomplishments, like oh, the fact that he was a colleague. The fact that he was a collegiate athlete and he is exactly the person for whom that kind of stuff lends itself. It makes sense that like you would mention his athletic accomplishments because he presents himself as an athlete. Mm. And my Christ is Big E scary. I forgot quite how good serious Big E could be. And yeah, like he is going to make an impact. He everything he did looked great. Um can't knock any of it again everything looked impactful everything looked like it hurt um even the the big ending which i've always thought looks kind of weird he makes work mm. yeah yeah i mean this guy is just he's he's massive isn't he let's be everyone's aware of biggie of course but he's i mean he's got uh, i suppose he's got muscles in places i'm fairly certain i haven't even got places and he's just just from front to back as well in his chest is thick mm-hmm. His, his, his thighs are huge. It's just muscle upon muscle upon muscle. And there's something about him as well that I think sets him apart from other big guys, for want of a better term, is how yeah. quick he can move. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, it's like from, from a standing start to a sprint, even just over a couple of yards, it's, it's explosive, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing for me, and it's something that comes out much later that isn't that's more sort of understated at this time, is he's just kind of got a charisma about him. Mm. Like he's got, he's got a presence. Like you can get big guys who just don't have any like presence, but big E, like he's just kind of got a bit of a swagger to him and it yeah. really, it really just adds a lot. Yeah, totally. Totally. And as we said, this was very much a quick squash. There's not much to sort of run through. He wins with a big ending. As Joshua said, there's one moment I mentioned runs through. There's one moment he literally ran through Mercer in the middle of the ring. That was, I enjoyed that. He just sprinted into the guy and smashed into him, but it looked so impressive. But yeah, I think all in all, a good debut handled how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfectly booked, perfectly executed. I want to see more of Big E Langston. Exactly. So it's done its job, hasn't it? Indeed. What I do not really want to see more of, I'm not going to lie, is Raquel Diaz. Not a um, fan side. I, I am not. I mean, this next contest on the show here is Diaz versus Audrey Marie, a lady mm-hmm. who I've not heard of before or since, to be fair. She had quite a short career, from what I can gather. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. They, they've given Diaz a character. And it's almost like the Beautiful People character from TNA. It's funny mentioning TNA again this week. But the Beautiful People worked. This, for mm. me, doesn't work. No? I'm no, I don't, I don't I, buy into I, it, mate. I guess. I, I see. It's interesting because I thought that what she did, she executed very well. Like, okay. I, I did believe, the like, as overblown as the character was, I believe she played it very well. She seemed like she could have come off of the set of Mean Girls, and it worked. And the thing that I appreciated about it the most was in terms of the actual wrestling. I appreciated how she was able to get character work into her, like, ring work, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, that's good, yeah. Like she, she incorporated her wrestling ability, and she could wrestle. Like, she had some good wrestling about her. I think... Um, Maybe Audrey Marie didn't necessarily help with that because she seemed very, very new. Um, 
uh, you could kind of see just by the way she was standing like before the first lockup that she didn't necessarily she was still very new to it um mm-hmm. and it clearly wasn't something she picked up because she didn't last long um she had a good headlock that's about all i remember in terms of her abilities um and she sold well um in terms of raquel diaz though like i remember she did the the drop toe hold nice wrestling move got on yeah. top and like ground her face into the mat very like character work stuff and so i enjoyed that how that married together um that being said it is like the character itself is very again it's still very of its time like it wouldn't necessarily work now mm. it's still very diva um and yeah you've you've got a guerrero just be a guerrero yeah exactly Exactly. Although there's an interesting, sorry to interject there, Sai, um, there's an interesting thing that I found out about that, and that is that the higher-ups didn't want her to be a Guerrero because they didn't, if she sucked, they didn't want her besmirching the Guerrero name. So that's a big vote of confidence. Okay. <laughs> that's a big vote of confidence from the people in charge. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> but also it's quite interesting hearing them be concerned about protecting something like the Guerrero name, isn't it? I mean they're not going to realistically make any more money out of the Guerrero name at this point. Eddie, Eddie's passed away at this stage, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to lose any, like no. Eddie Guerrero will still be over. Yes. Um, but, and they can yeah. quietly, they can quietly forget about like Shaw if she doesn't work out. So I don't, for example, if Charlotte in a few weeks turns up and just absolutely shits the bed, they can just forget about the fact that Charlotte was a thing. Although they also did the same thing with Charlotte, didn't they? Mm where she wasn't allowed to be Charlotte Flair for a while. Yeah, very strange. But, but having been Charlotte Flair already as well, which was very strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Uh, Audrey Marie, she had a couple of years in the wrestling business. She does turn up again a few more times in NXT, uh, but has a link to the business still because she is married to Tyler Breeze now. So oh. she's still connected to the wrestling business from that aspect. And now she's like a, a fitness model sort of effort now for, for her living. So yeah, good luck to her. Oh, very good. She was also a public accountant because ah. I guess they mentioned all of Biggie's credentials. They felt the need to mention Audrey Marie's credentials that were probably better suited on a dating profile. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Uh, there was one bump across the top rope uh, that Marie took from Diaz. That was quite early in the match that I kind of looked at and was a bit like, Oh, Struth, I didn't look too comfortable. Yeah, that was a very well executed, uh, I believe it's called a stun gun. That's right, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Austin, way before the stunner, back in the WCW Worldwide days. Yeah, he didn't like that move. Did Did you not? He didn't like doing it because, um, well, because of the margin for error, and also Mm. because he's quite clumsy. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, There is one other, well, a couple of other things I want to mention before we uh, move on. I mean, Diaz ultimately wins the match, as as she should do. They're they're pushing this young lady at the moment. They seem to have a bit of a a project with her. She wins with her move, the full throttle, I believe they called it. Full throttle? I didn't know that. It's a gory bomb. Yeah, exactly. I think they refer to it as the full throttle. (laughs) Okay, I, I maybe missed that. Or I've just made that up. I don't know. We'll, well find that's out next fine. Week we'll, if we see her again. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it the full throttle, full throttle yeah. moving forward regardless. It'd be great. E- even if it gets a new name, that's what it's like going to be referred to on here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the there's a couple of moments. There's one where the crowd are chanting, you can't wrestle at the girls. Now, I'm not a fan of this. I find it incredibly disrespectful. If people are 
perhaps not as talented as some of their peers, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not trying. If you get someone who's actively not trying to entertain you, then I suppose people can be well within their rights to voice their disapproval. They've paid money to go and watch. However, the chant you can't wrestle at people who are, especially in Audrey Marie's case, very much it seems still learning their trade. I find that quite quite disgusting, to be honest. Have you ever encountered any chance that you find cross the line, whether it's towards yourself, an opponent, or or even if you're at a card and heard somebody else subjected to anything? So in terms of cross the line, you bought your ticket, you can say what you want. It's not going to bother me. Okay. That that being said, excuse my language. I fucking hate you can't wrestle. Mm. I cannot stand it. I hate it with a passion. Yes, they can wrestle. They're in a ring wrestling. Like, and you, it was said about people like John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, and what it, what it means is that you can't do technical wrestling to a, to the level of a Kurt Angle or a Chris Benoit. That tends mm-hmm. to, means to me like when you hear it and what that means to me as an audience member or like towards the audience members i'm sorry that means you don't know what wrestling is at this point or pro wrestling right you know no they they can't necessarily do that arm ringer as crisp as they can but i tell you what they're doing that stuff they're telling you a story and they're making you feel something so Mm -hmm. yes they can wrestle so in terms of things that can get in the bin or in the hall of lame it would be you can't wrestle chance. It can go away. It can stay away. Never darken my ear holes again. Maybe that will raise its ugly head on Monday evening on Chain Wrestling Live. We will see. Uh, and one other thing that I'm not a fan of, and we have spoke about it beforehand because we saw a couple of male wrestlers on a previous show being quite vocal with certain moves and when they were getting punched and shouting, and I, I, we, we had a discussion about it then. And you said, mm-hmm. like, hi, that's how some people are trained and you're very vocal yourself with regards to receiving and giving moves. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never had an issue with a great deal of that. However, I don't know whether it was just the, the tone of voice. I'm not sure, but there was a lot of screaming in this match and it seemed to be amplified for me because of how quiet the crowd were when they started making those noises. And it kind of, I find it quite jarring if I'm honest. Yeah, I can understand that. I think in the context of the Raquel Diaz character, it works. Um, but I can also see why it would be annoying um, that being said, I guess the character is supposed to be annoying, so I'll give it a pass. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, after the match, we see... Well, after the match, first of all, Diaz does her own version of the NWO spray paint with her lipstick and does an L on her opponent's forehead for loser. Now, that, that I liked. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, it's, a, it's another storytelling thing that you can use. It's something that's been done multiple times in different forms and it's that added level of humiliation which i think adds a lot to that character or any character really it's just Mm. something that you can keep going with because then you know you go up the go up the roster with it and you start humiliating other people and it's enough to build a feud over right you go back to you go back to memphis and it's like you know at the end of a match someone got like half an eyebrow shaved off and boy howdy are they gonna kick somebody's ass because of it (laughs) They're going to get so much sweat in that one eyeball that it's gonna... <laughs> that, that that would be like nine months to a years of years worth of television. Yeah, it's brilliant. 
great stuff uh and, and you say about you know you can build a feud around it and so on here backstage we cut to Paige, and she is saying well she's asked about diaz mm. by her interviewer there and she very calmly very almost or solemnly in a way says the ugliness tour huh we'll see and just walks off so it's obvious that these two are going to be heading towards some kind of confrontation at some point joshua brilliant economy of words si mm. that was the thing for me um six words but it told everyone exactly what they need to know page does not like what raquel diaz is doing page is going to do something about raquel diaz that's what it told me and they did it in six words and instantly the l on the forehead with a lipstick and Paige saying that, I felt a hell of a lot more interested in Raquel Diaz than I did at any other point of her being on my television. <laughs> Maybe that says more to do with how much you like Paige. Potentially, potentially. But there we go. Uh, yeah. Up next, we have a match I didn't expect to see. I don't know why. I wasn't looking at the clock. I wasn't sort of timing how long this episode was. But in my mind, I'm thinking we're going into the main event next. I don't know why. It's just the way my head was working. But it turns out we're not just yet. Just yet. We have a tag team match and the combination we've seen before of Hunako and Camacho. And they are taking on, uh, well, Audrey's husband, Mike Dalton, and um, (laughs) Tyler Breeze, and Jason Jordan. And we're told here that this is the first time Jordan and Dalton have tagged together. Um, Mm. Dalton, I'm fairly certain, has some nice new ring gear some purple tights with some flashy boots. I thought that looked really cool. I like that. Certainly new for this show. Yeah. Uh, On on the topic of ring gear, actually, I mean, it's something that lots of fans and writers and podcasters and all this sort of stuff, people talk about, oh, that guy looks like shit in this. That guy looks like great in this. That guy's ring gear is this. When it comes to ring gear itself, you know, trunks, tights, whatever, and boots as well being a big one, how how does it go about you sort of gathering this stuff up and also cost? I'm aware a good pair of ring boots is very expensive, isn't it? Uh, ring boots can be expensive. Um, I think the ones that I had or have uh, were, I believe, something in the region of 170 pounds, okay. and they and they were not of the highest quality. They were not. You wouldn't be seeing them on WWE. Um, you know, like the the people who made my ring boots were actually the same people who made the ones that Triple H left in the ring when he retired. And you can right. guarantee that he paid, I'd have thought three figures because the one, the one thing is when he put them in the ring, they stood up and I was like, my boots don't do that. My boots don't stand <laughs> up. My boots are like socks. <laughs> so you tie them up. Um, but yeah, in terms of ring. So when I decided to try the King experiment, obviously a big thing of that was ring gear. Mm-hmm. So I when I ha- went about getting like the bodysuit deal with the with the t- with the King on or the the lion. Um, that is, I'll just give you a full breakdown. So the the first one of those cost me, I think it was two hundred fifty quid. Why? Um, the cape that I got or the first cape, so the good cape, cost me £300. Uh, The crown, which I got from the Philippines, cost me 40,000 Filipino pesos, which is around 350 quid. Oh, my God. And That that crown, though, I've seen close up. That crown is freaking incredible. 
it's a nice crown. It's such a nice crown that one of the first times I wore it, I took it out to like a meet and greet and some 10 year old tried to run off with it. Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't care that they were 10. I chased after them and grabbed them the neck. And I was like, you're, you're going to give me that back now. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so, I wish I could have seen that. I learned a valuable lesson that day, which is don't take that to the meet and greets. Yeah. Why? Wow. So, I mean, you're looking at, a, you're looking at just the, the, those items you mentioned there over a grand, aren't we? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And like some of it was maybe more expensive than it needed to be, but especially the, the ring gear, like the actual outfit, the singlet, that mm. was a steal. Like you would get for something similar of like a similar quality. You could be looking at, double triple that right okay yeah ring ring gear ain't cheap it's something of a of a closed market so people can sort of charge what they want and there's a lot more wrestlers than there are gear makers so they've kind of got us over a barrel a bit mm. yeah no okay i'll get you i'll get you oh, i suppose obviously personalized stuff and and stuff made to a certain spec was with your gear for example is quite specific what you had in mind mm-hmm. the price just goes up and up and up doesn't it oh sure i mean for a pair of regular trunks you could probably get them for 25 quid um and say as you say boots you're probably looking at around say 150 quid at the least you can always wear kick pads if you fancy but that wasn't for me Mm -hmm. um yeah it's not it's not cheap it's not a cheap endeavor and you gotta invest in yourself you get out what you put in yeah of course i'm finally on that before we move on with regards to I'm, I'm bound to choose the wrong words here, and I apologize to yourself and anyone listening, but I'm struggling to find the right term. It's, it's a competitive business, isn't it? Everyone wants to everyone wants to sort of get themselves over, and everyone wants to get to a stage where they're performing in certain spots. On the, and you get some people, I imagine, are, are much more um, driven by success and money than others. And, and you hear stories about cutthroat wrestlers trying to do this and that to get ahead or a higher spot on the card or whatever. So in my head, I'm imagining a certain level of, not hostility, but a certain level of, of that kind of edginess behind the scenes in certain companies. Do you get any form of peer pressure or snidey comments with regards to wrestling gear if it's not potentially as good as it could be? Not to your face. I was going to say, I, I, I wouldn't imagine it directly, but I hear <laughs> tales of wrestlers being a bit, I show you. I don't. You, I don't you mean, sorry. You mean a load of uh, beefed up, insecure men with daddy issues pretending to fight each other. You think that they've maybe they're maybe a bit catty. Yes. <laughs> yes, Sai. They're a bit catty. Right. Okay. So they would openly mock, well, not openly to that person, but you know, people you, would mock you, somebody. About you'd be the last person, no, if you know your physique or your gear or your work or anything that someone can pick apart. There is. Or, and promoters are the same. It's it's mm-hmm. its own. I've said to you, you could say it's a cult, right? Yeah. And so you get the hierarchy, and you get the people within the hierarchy, and you get the people trying to climb the hierarchy. So the people on top, their opinions are sacrosanct, whether they're correct or moral or ethical. Right. You know, yeah. their their word is still law, unless you know there are people other than that who are going to pay you. Their word is then law. Um. But yeah, it's very much a reputation thing, right? So if you've got someone who puts a lot of stock in gear, like, you know, you have to look like a a wrestler, whatever that means. Um, 
yeah, and then you'll have a lot of people going, yeah, oh, you got to look like a wrestler because, you know, again, it's a load of sheep and we're all mm-hmm. trying to get, we're all trying to get ahead. We're all friends. Oh, we're all the best of friends, except that we're not because we're all trying to get ahead. Um, and it's one of those where everyone wants to see everyone else doing well, but not better than you. Right. That's a really good way of wording it because you do see, and again, I don't want to tarnish everyone with the same brush, you know, and I'm oh, no, anywhere no. near as many again, as, as yourself, I, of course. But again, it, it's absolutely not the case that everyone's that way. Some mm. people are able to, to rise above the bullshit because of their talent or because they're just too damn nice or, you know, it, it's not the only way to be like backstabbing and political, but there's obviously a lot of backstabbing and politics in pro wrestling. It's just a yeah. fact. I suppose a lot of it comes from the potential to earn money. There's always that. That kind of dominates any business, doesn't it? There's money, but there is also egos. Because a lot of people, especially at a lower... Like, if you're doing it at a level way, it's not about the money. It's probably about the ego. Right. Um, And as I say, there's a lot of insecure people doing this. Like, there's a reason why people get involved in this form of entertainment. Like any form of entertainment, there's probably something missing, Right. Like you, you're probably not entirely happy with yourself if right. you feel that you need to do this. Again, it's not across the board. It's not like a, it is a generalization, but there's a lot of people in pro wrestling who that maybe they're doing it because, you know, to make themselves feel better or they need that external validation. I mean, yeah. again, I, I, we're really getting into the weeds on this, but I imagine it's one of the reasons I got into it was because like I had a, difficult relationship with my dad right and so i was and so i was attracted to these superheroes on tv wearing bright colors and saving the day yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense okay well that that was that was that was fascinating thank you for that (laughs) it's a fun little tangent wasn't it it was yeah uh anyway hinoko and camacho (laughs) 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 oh they don't seem anywhere near as important after talking about what we were just discussing but there we go Uh, the, the heels take control of the match quite early with a distraction technique, don't they? With uh, Mike Dalton distracted by the the wrestler on the outside, as opposed yeah, to his was, opponent in the ring. It was it was Camacho, and they they did. But my issue with that was I felt like the camera didn't quite pick it up. Okay, yeah. Do you notice that? Like the 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 commentary kind of had to cover for it. I think it maybe needed a different camera angle mm. because it was sort of straight on. You kind of saw Camacho half in the screen and half not. And so it meant that you kind of had to fill in the blanks and it was maybe a situation where you would have been better off just having it at a different angle. So you could see Camacho doing something and then Runico following up. Yeah, totally. Because at first glance for me, it felt like Dalton ran the ropes and then just stopped and looked at him. And I was like, what are you Mm -hmm. stopping for? And I had to skip back a little bit to see if I could pick anything up. So no, you're totally right there. Yeah. Uh, we do get a, a big butterfly suplex from Camacho as Regal calls it on commentary that I thought looked fantastic. Oh yeah. I mean, when I, when I saw that he was doing it, my initial thought was you're going to throw him towards your partner. So don't do that. But mm-hmm. what he actually did was picked him straight up, held him there and like sort of dumped him right in the middle of the ring. And yeah, yeah I was, I was very impressed by that. Camacho is a beast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, another power move here as well. It looked like almost that Camacho and Hamacho were going to go for, a uh, almost like a double arm, a double hip toss, sorry, mm-hmm. which turned into a, a huge sort of slam effort, I guess. They sort of caught their opponent mid-turn and then just dropped him down onto his back. That looked, to me, that if it, that looked relatively simple, not as in the execution, but what they were doing. It's basically turning it into just slamming the guy on their back. 
but yeah. it looked so cool, so effective. Yeah, they sort of had him like cradled, didn't they, Sai? Like, yes. And then lifted him reasonably high. I mean, oof, I don't think that would have been an especially fun bump to take, to be honest. It's one of those that knocks the breath out of you. Mm. Um, but yeah, like that one did look very good and it, it needed uh, JJ to break that hole, break that break the pin on that one, I remember. Yeah, I thought, um, I, I, was, I was watching, obviously watching the match and I was looking at uh, Dalton. I thought he was going to kick out. And then when I hit two, I realized he wasn't moving. I was thinking, okay, is this going to be the finish? And then Jordan came out of nowhere. I thought that was literally going to be it at one point. Yeah, it, it would have worked. Like it was a, let's say, hell of a move. It works as a finish if you were mm. going to do it. Yeah. Uh, eventually, though, we get, I mean, effectively, the, the, the heel combo are in charge for the majority of the match, I think. It's not a relatively long match, really, by any standards, mm-hmm. but they're in control for a great portion of it. Before yeah. Dalton hits what's basically a Frankensteiner, hooks both legs as Jordan is holding uh, the, the other partner down to stop him interrupting the count and pins him. And it's sold as this, this big upset and out of nowhere. And I feel that the way the, the way the finish came around with that sort of Frankensteiner and then hooking both the legs. And I like when somebody is rolled up like that, that their legs are struggling against them to try and kick out rather than just staying still and taking it. it mm-hmm. I think it worked really, really well. In the grander scheme of what we've seen so far, it was perfect. And the reason for that is because since week one, we have seen squash matches. We have seen one-way talent, like where we're getting this talent over and it's not this talent's night. Mm-hmm. And so to have something like this, to like throw in a bit of unpredictability of, oh, you can have that upset win, I think really helps to break up the monotony of it and still sort of inject some life into it. Cause again, we're six weeks in now. I think it's six weeks. Um, maybe seven, I think maybe seven or seven. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, to have that come out of nowhere underdog win from what are essentially the enhancement talent, or at least have been perceived because both JJ and Dalton have been used as, in that enhancement talent role. It's yeah. a good shot in the arm for them. It's a good shot in the arm for the big picture. Um, and yeah, I think it was really well done um, and inspired decision-making by whoever was making the decision. Yeah. Uh, something else that I picked up at the, at the finish while that actually made me genuinely laugh was uh, obviously we've got Jim Ross on commentary for a part of this show, William Regal on commentary. Uh, the third voice, I'm afraid I can't remember the guy's name. Do you know who that was? <gasps> Can't remember. No, sorry. Right, okay, but anyway, that third voice, the the third man, as we may refer to him as, uh, when the three count happened, and Dalton and Jordan rolled out the ring to celebrate, whilst looking a bit stunned and so on, he got incredibly excited and shouted, "He got him!" in a tone so high that if he went much higher, I'm fairly certain only dogs would be able to hear him. He proper <laughs> squeaked, and I don't know why, but I find it so so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again. It seems to me that sometimes they don't necessarily clue in the commentary on what's going on. And that might have been one of those situations because it caught me off guard. I was like, oh, yeah, that was unexpected. I thought there was only one winner in this. So, again, it goes to show how how right you are with talking about the the shot in the arm and and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good decision, I think. He got him. Um, He got him. (laughs) Uh, Just just before we move on, I just wanted to quickly uh, mention talking about the when jason jordan broke up the pin 
Camacho, who was on the apron, like pointed to the ref to like get him to back off Jason Jordan, which gave Hunico and Camacho the chance to double team yes. Mike Dalton, right? And I mentioned that because it's what primetime players should have done a few weeks ago against the Usos. Do you remember me mentioning that? Yes. So I just wanted to pick it up in case anyone's listening. They might learn something. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And again, tag wrestling, when it's done right, is I think some, something like that. It's just a, a simple little touch, but it enables you to really sort of tell the story and do certain things in the ring to, to sort of have that divide of good guy, bad guy, and, and so on. I think it really helps as you go along. But it's such a simple little thing. Yeah, it's just filling in those gaps. It's making things make sense. It's making sure that the referee doesn't look bad, that the competitors involved don't look bad. And it's just, it's, it's put plugging those holes, I think would be a good way to describe it. It's just putting the little plugs in the holes just so that everything makes sense. Just so there aren't bits when people are like, well, why is, why do you do that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we get another little video promotional vignette package kind of effort it's one we've seen before it's bo dallas uh talking about his heritage in the business with his dad being uh, a former wrestler uh, irs as part of his family and of course the almighty barry windham and the um, almighty barry windham let's <laughs> just take a moment to appreciate barry windham there we oh, go man, what, a talent, what a talent uh, and we're seeing bo dallas next week it says which i thought oh okay cool but then i thought well of course we are because it's gonna get more tournament matches next week <laughs> it's so. in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what si he's still the good guy he is he is um that takes us then to the next or the second i suppose tournament match that we have on this show the main event of the evening uh well, we're told it's halfway during the contest. We're told this is the second main event of the evening. No other matches referred to a main event as it was happening. So uh, maybe they missed that or Jim Ross was just trying to make other things feel more important. I'm not sure. Maybe. I guess it was the second tournament match and Leo yeah. Kruger, Leo Kruger, any match that Leo Kruger's in is a main event. Of course. Of course. <laughs> you know, I think we are fully, you know, fully fledged, paid up members of the Leo Kruger Appreciation Society. Um, you know, I, I genuinely tried to find one. It doesn't exist. Nah. Okay. <laughs> uh drew mcintyre versus seth rollins a match we saw last week however i think i enjoyed this one a bit more i don't <laughs> exactly know why and we get broken dreams again playing drew mcintyre down to the ring which of course i love and here we get a real good look at the belt Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen the graphic of it popping up whenever they talk about the tournament. We've seen quick shots of it when people are walking past it on the entranceway. But here we get a real good look at the actual proper proper belt. What are your thoughts on this first NXT title? Because it's got the little N, and then it's the, the main body of the belt is the big X, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't love it. I think it's one of those things often where things just sort of grow on you. It's like a name or you know just anything like that it was it was fine i didn't i enjoyed later designs probably more um but often it's the same as you know the the title makes the man or the man makes the title and right now it doesn't necessarily have too much carry in it other than the design Mm. um so i think as it goes on you'll learn to love it or at least learn to live with it um because i think I think back on like the NWA title, like the 10 pounds of gold yes. and it's a bit divisive. Um, I quite like it, but I think I like it 
because of its heritage. If that makes sense. Like I yeah, to- no, I totally agree. And so otherwise I probably wouldn't, if it came out today, I wouldn't like it as much, but it's because of the stock that's within it. Mm. Um, I don't know if that really answered your question side, but no, no, that's I... fine. Yeah. <laughs> On that note then, I mean, you, you're talking there about the original uh, NWA title belt, or maybe not the original, but the 10 pounds of gold at least. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to championship belts, are you a bit of a belt geek? Do you like a good design? Does it not bother you? I like a good design. I think same as a name, same as music, same as any of those things, a good belt won't necessarily make you, but a bad belt can break you. Like mm. I like you you've got to have something that's worth fighting over and like if your belt looks like it belongs on the front of a car or belongs in Toys R Us, it doesn't yeah. do it for me. I I 100% agree with you on that. There's certain wrestling companies that you see images of their championship belts and I look at it and I think, um, yeah. obviously, you know, there's a loss, there's a cost of living crisis and it's difficult yeah. running a wrestling company, of course, but I sort of look at it and think, oh, I wish you'd just spent a little bit more money on that, you know? You you talked about, or I mentioned investing in yourself with um, mm-hmm. gear and it's the same with, if your promotion, if your top title cost you 50 quid and came off the rack, um, people can see because people go to like the same people tend to go to shows and you can see when a belt looks cheap yeah and, and you know what as much as i've said it's a prop and it doesn't matter really so much to me it matters to fans it yeah, matters I, i'm a fan it matters to me yeah so it matters to you and so if you see something that's you know made out of string and a tin can you're like, well, that's, not <laughs> worth, that's not worth fighting over mm. and if you don't believe it to be worth fighting over then your whole match has lost any kind of luster. I mean, I'm reminded of Seth Rollins and Finn Balor at SummerSlam those years back when they unveiled the Universal Championship and how everyone hated it and mm. how people within the business were like, oh, well, that's shameful by the wrestlers involved or not the wrestlers involved, the fans for, you know, taking over the match and hijacking. It's like, well, they're not wrong because it's an opinion. Yeah. And the fact is, like, in my opinion, since, you know, <laughs> It's an opinion. It's not a very well designed belt. It looks no. like it's made for kids. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it carries any prestige. No, no, very true. And it's funny because I think it's simply the color helped with that. Because now you've got the blue one. I prefer the blue one to the red. I'm still not a fan of that design. Don't get me wrong. But you've got the blue backed belt. I prefer to the red. Uh, the red one, and then the black one. I prefer to the blue one. But again, I'm not a massive fan of that design in itself. You know. I think. It goes back to what I said earlier. It's got a little bit of stock to it now. Mm. Okay. Champion, champions have had it. It means something now other than just what it looks like. You know, it means... It, right now, it it represents Roman Reigns. And before then, it represented Brock Lesnar. And before then, it represented um, Finn Balor for a bit and Seth Rollins. Um, and so it, it's not just how it looks. And obviously, when you first... When it's first unveiled, it's literally just based on the look, right? Yeah. Um. And so I think just having it by virtue of having had it hang around for a bit, it just means more. And so it's more accepted. Yeah. That's fair enough. Mate. No, that's fair enough. Uh, very quickly then favorite title belts. Um, my if favorite title belts, I think 10, uh, 10 pounds of gold, uh, the big gold, um, the undisputed title. Oh, the one that Guerrero and Lesnar fought over. Yeah. And JBL oh. held for a while, I think. Had it for almost a year, Si. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, yeah, I really, I think that gets overlooked quite a bit because it's almost like it wasn't around as it, long as some of the others that get mentioned in this conversation. Yeah, it wasn't around tremendously long. Um, well, a couple of years, but mm. in the grand scheme of things, not tremendously long. Um, yeah, I prefer it over, say, like the Winged Eagle and that. And that's not to say that I dislike any of the Winged Eagle designs. I think, again, it comes back to that was around the time when I was watching, when I was yeah. growing up. And it says a lot. I think it's like James Bond. It's the one you grew up with. Yeah, I think you're right because my 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 favorite title belts are the big gold is always number one for me. I love that. And <laughs> um, my fortieth birthday, the wife bought me a replica, and it's like one of my prized possessions. I love it, you know, because I am such a geek. And um, <laughs> the winged eagle, not the big eagle that the, as belt collectors call. Oh it, yeah, so big eagle. Rock, yeah, yeah, the winged yeah. eagle that Brett held and Sean held. That was my era growing up. So yeah. I, I love that. And because I saw it on WCW TV when I was a kid. I love the United States Championship, but the one that Rick Rude wore with the with the little United States belt and well, the, yeah. I love that title. And I think New Japan got some fantastic belts as well. But yeah, oh um, yeah, sorry, gotta have a shout out to the um, the IWGP Championship, not the newest one, the one before, yeah, you know, the good one. Yeah, everyone and their United States title as well. Uh, yeah, that one's not a bad one. Um, I quite like the Intercontinental now, mm. <laughs> but yeah, that's a... there we go. Yeah, there we'll we be go. here forever, otherwise. Yeah, New, that's a whole different, different show. Different, different <laughs> podcast entirely. <laughs> uh, we get told as Seth Rollins makes his entrance that he is the flag bearer for individualism. Yep, whatever that means. I just wrote down <laughs> bollocks next to that, mate. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll take it over heavy metal enthusiast. I don't know about you. Yeah, this is true. He says he enjoys a mosh pit to fire himself up, but he's on his own. So I, I don't quite understand how that works, but there we go. Never mind. Yep, sure. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and we get a similar story to how we've seen a few matches go in NXT, and one of them being the previous Seth Rollins Drew McIntyre match, with Drew kind of the bigger, stronger guy using his power to his advantage, and, and Rollins kind of more depending upon his speed early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed to be that that was the case. Um again, it wasn't as bit as big guy, little guy as it maybe could have been, and that yeah. I d- it didn't bother me quite so much because it didn't have Drew bouncing around like a ping pong ball quite so much. Like he wasn't he wasn't getting dropped by singular punches by Seth Rollins, who mm. was billed at two hundred and nine pounds, which probably meant he was close to one eighty. Yeah. Um, you know, and just doesn't he's not a big imposing guy, especially then. He was a lot trimmer than he is now. Like I think he's filled out a bit. He's found he discovered CrossFit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, we get a moment here that I, I thought was quite inventive but then ultimately I didn't like the, the end part of it where uh, Drew gets sent outside as mm-hmm. Rollins runs towards him I think I, I'm guessing Rollins is going to go for like a baseball slide of some sort or something like that I, uh, I, would, I would assume a dive yeah because, okay but uh, and there's a point I'll make I'll come back to it so yeah go on yeah okay uh, Drew goes under the ring which mm-hmm. I thought was, oh, that's quite inventive. Um, Rollins goes out the ring, grabs Drew's leg to try and pull him out because it looks like he's, you know, running away or whatever. And Drew kind of pulls Rollins towards the ring with the leg that Rollins is holding to bump him into the apron and take control. Now, that's quite inventive. However, it just looks so much to me like Seth Rollins headbutted the ring on his own. And that's what I thought when I first saw it, Si. But what actually happened was Drew grabbed the other arm He grabbed his his other arm from under the ring and pulled him in, which then led to him working on the arm. But 
Right. The point I was going to make was much like the com- the um, the Camacho match with the cutoff. Or sorry, there were other individuals, but Camacho. Um, the camera didn't pick it up. It yep. didn't pick up the fact that Seth was going for a dive. It didn't pick up the fact that Drew like grabbed his arm and yanked him into the apron, right? And those were big key storytelling points. It was like mm. the, going back to the thing you said, um, Yeston Reese mentioned about World of Sport. You need everyone on the same page to properly tell that story. And those were big, major bullet points of the story, right? They're the cutoff. And the cutoff is obviously it's a major part of the story. So if you miss it as they did, and you know, as you said, you didn't see, oh, and there's again, it's not your fault. You didn't see the story I believe they were trying to tell. Right. See, now that explains a great deal, um, doesn't it? now it looks because it did look like he had but have you ever seen the footage of scott steiner taking uh, his head is getting drove into the ring steps or whatever three or four times and then he goes for one on his own because his opponent has stopped yeah it felt a little bit like that to me but if he's grabbed his arm then that makes complete sense and then of course he goes on and works the arm with some some Mm -hmm. great moves that follow so Yeah. yeah to me the story was okay this weird thing has happened and now drew is working the arm and I, mm-hmm. I even thought to myself, we come back to Ric Flair with a figure four and working the legs and so on, and the, and the swing blade and what part do you work and all that sort of stuff. I was even thinking to myself at one stage, okay, that's weird for Drew to be working the arm. What's he leading towards? But if, if it's not a case of leading towards something, he's reacting to something that has just happened that I missed. Yeah, yeah he's picking a button. Again, I, as, as much as you can be argued that you missed it, I think production missed it. Mm. And therefore, you didn't really get a chance to see it. Because again, I, I think I've actually watched it three times, and it was the third time that I noticed like the hand from under the apron, like drag the other hand. Because he had Seth had one hand on Drew's leg and his other hand on like the ring, and he grabbed it from under and mm. yeah, very inventive. <laughs> I think very inventive. It was, it was very creative and very intelligent, and a really good original storytelling device that would have been great if they'd have just picked up on it. Yeah. Yeah. That changes my whole mindset to this now, to be fair. Have um, I, I ruined <laughs> your notes? Si? No, not at all. Not at all. My notes are so sparse and unprofessional. You wouldn't believe anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, Drew then starts working on this arm. And mm-hmm. there was something that I thought was really, really cool. Look, looked very good. was when he applied a hammerlock to Seth Rollins and then uh, hit him with a back suplex while still holding the arm in the hammerlock position. I've seen wow. I've seen a hammerlock into a body slam relatively often, but mm-hmm. this I don't think I've, I've seen before, to be fair. I think I probably have seen it done. It's not done especially regularly, and it's there's no reason why not. I mm. guess it's you know just one of them things that you don't see as often, and you don't really see people working the arm that often anymore, Sai. No. No, uh. fair point. Yeah, okay. Uh, Rollins gets a really good counter from, I suppose, what, what kind of looked like he was Drew McIntyre was going for maybe a back body drop potentially. And mm-hmm. Rollins turns it into a DDT. I thought that looked very good. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the flying DDT. Yes. I've got a big point to make about that. Okay. What happened after the DDT side? Do you remember? Um,. I'm not 100% sure now, off the top of my head. I know I'll Rollins tell- goes on to hit an inseguri. Yeah, I'll tell you what didn't happen. He didn't pin him, Sai. Right. 
He yeah. stayed, Drew McIntyre stayed entirely, completely still, unmoving, like he'd been knocked unconscious because he'd been dropped on his head. And Seth Rollins picked him up. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. No, you're right. He picked him up because it was the next bit. If you wanted to move to the next bit, pin him, right? Because you're trying to win the wrestling match to get the shiny, shiny. <laughs> Using a DDT, which we've seen established as a finish, respect the DDT, and instead picks him up because the next bit involves him hitting him with punches. Pin him! Pin him, Seth! Pin him, for God's sake! It's a finish! Respect the finish! You're trying to win! Pin him! See, what what people at home listening can't see is I've got you in a you're basically <laughs> as we've been talking, the light has gone. So you're lit from below, just from your screen as you're ranting yeah. this. I'm getting kind of Blair Witch vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Oh, um, but the fix I think would have been do the pin, yeah. have because the next thing is that drew goes for a swing and then he starts firing up starts throwing his punches so you could still do that just have the pin and if you didn't want to drop the momentum down then don't put the move in that spot yeah you know i think sometimes we get hung up on the whole we're doing this thing then this thing then this thing then this thing and you miss the the big picture which is if you're trying to win, you gotta you gotta go for pins when the opportunity arises, especially off a big move like a flying DDT. Mm. No, completely correct, completely correct. And, and I suppose it's the opposite to what we saw in the first match because Steamboat was trying to pin Kruger two or three times in the first thirty seconds. He yeah, was desperately I'll... trying to get that win, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, it was. It just, as you can, it's a, it's a pet peeve. Yeah, it, I, it, I picked up me. on that. I mean, if, <laughs> and I guess the the other thing that you could have done is had Drew pop back up from off, off of it, but then I feel that would be disrespecting the DDT, and you don't yeah. disrespect the DDT no. because it's a finish, or at least it should be. It should no, sorry, it's a finish. Okay, uh, the... almost, <laughs> it's a finish. Though. The uh, the ins- like I said, Rollins hits a, a good looking insecurity. Drew goes to the outside eventually, where Seth does hit a dive. Yeah. Um. As they get back Wait. into the ring, he, there's a lariat by Drew, which f- makes Seth basically turn inside out, which I thought looked very very impressive. Yeah, it does the Rikishi bump? It's very nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, sorry to interject. I also enjoyed the fact that they did put the dive back in because it seemed as if Seth was going for it earlier, or at least it would have had the camera picked it up this match. Can you tell that this match really irked me? Is this what you were referring to at the beginning of the show when you said there's a few things you're salty about? That and the sling blade, I think. Fair (laughs) enough, mate. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, We have a tilt or roll backbreaker by Drew, which I I don't know why, but I bloody love that move. Oh, it looked good. He caught him out of the air as well, Mm. like off off of a dive as well. So that was brilliant. Really good. And then we kind of end up with both competitors, uh, I suppose, battling to get up to the top rope, but they're both stood roughly on the middle rope, which is quite mm-hmm. a sight anyway, because Rollins, even though we're saying he, he's not at his biggest here, he's, he's not he's not a small fellow. He's not a giant by any stretch of imagination. He's not a small fellow. But Drew is a, a big, big guy. They're both yeah. stood on that middle rope. Uh, 
Drew ends up falling. Seth misses some kind of crazy flippy move it that lands the, on his feet. He attempted the same Phoenix splash that he'd attempted the week before. Right. And, and he kind of rolled through, didn't he? Also landed on his feet. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from that, Drew misses a big boot. Seth mm. hits the stomp and picks up mm. the win. Yeah. I, oh. Again, I, I liked that because it was calling back to the week before. Because the yes. week before, he'd missed, he'd missed the dive, the Phoenix splash, and then got the big boot. And then this week, Seth manages to counter said big boot and hits his big finish and then gets the win. Nice bit of storytelling. Is that maybe one of the few plus points we get from the 50-50 booking we're seeing at the moment? Maybe. I get, like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with 50-50 booking, but in terms of, like, you have one guy win, you have the other guy win. Not in terms of, like, what WWE seemed to do, which was just give someone a win and then give them a win back. Everything Mm -hmm. needs a reason. If it's got a reason, if it's leading somewhere, it's fine. But too often it seemed that it was just for the sake of keeping everyone on the same playing field. You just wanted to keep wrestler A, you know, this high up the card and wrestler B this high up the card as well. You didn't want anyone to get too powerful. And maybe that comes back to what we're talking about, insecure little men, children pretending to fight. Maybe it was (laughs) people going, you beat me last week. Maybe I could win this week. And Vince McMahon's just getting old. He's like, ah, just let him do it. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) i got a new intern to go and meet Um, (laughs) (laughs) bruce bruce fetch my dick bells (laughs) johnny watch the door yeah okay boss um we uh Uh, that's the end of the show basically we've got Seth Rollins advancing in the tournament Um, I suppose the only thing left for us to do Joshua is to give our overall summary of the show whether we enjoyed it or not our good points our bad points our glorious and our soft my friend there's only one word to describe you glorious you're soft you're slap do you want to go first or second um I will go second, side. Okie doke. I will start then with my soft, because I like to try and finish on something positive. And mine was the women's match, because I just couldn't buy into it at all. Mm-hmm. Barring the end with the lipstick L and the page cam. Because now I'm thinking, okay, I'm interested to see where Diaz goes next, because I'm hoping it's going to be against Paige. That could be interesting. Mm-hmm. However, I'm scratching that, and I'm going to put down the production. Because I missed something that... You, you're explaining there is not me missing it. It was them screwing up, and it was not the first time on this show. It's only 45 or 46 or whatever it was minutes long, and mm-hmm. we can think of maybe three occasions in that time frame where they missed yeah. something that would have been relatively important to the storytelling. So yeah, the camera work and and the, I suppose the production that goes alongside it is my soft. What about yourself? The exact same thing. Mine. Ah. My notes say edit seemed to miss some important storytelling. Mm. Which is again, as as I, it's if you can't convey that story, like the wrestling for the most part, they didn't do anything really terribly. But yeah, if you miss those important story beats, you can't get them back. Mm-hmm. And context is key, as you said. The whole Drew McIntyre working the arm for the entire match doesn't make very much sense if the cutoff didn't involve him messing up Seth Rollins' arm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, my glorious this week 
is I, 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 well, the main thing for me is the fact that we've got a tournament here for the title. That's the main yeah. thing for me. But from that, we saw Seth versus Drew. And okay, barring the bit that I, I potentially missed because of the camera work, I really enjoyed it. So that would be my. But the DDT, we're gonna. I, I was trying to skirt around because no. I, I, I don't. I know you. You've been poorly. I don't want you doing a mischief to your throat, shouting and yelling about that again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the Seth versus Drew match is probably my glorious for this show. Uh, yourself, my glorious is Biggie. Yes. Okay. Just I cannot. It was. It was another Bray Wyatt moment where it's like, okay, I want to see more of this guy. Mm. It was perfect. The whole package, the whole presentation up to this point has been perfect. Um, he just ran through the guy and it was exactly what it needed to be. So, yeah, yeah big, it was big. pretty much perfect for what it needed to be. You're right. Uh, hit, miss or middling then, bud? I've got hit written down, but I've changed my mind. It's middling and it's middling because of, as we mentioned, the production snafus. And I didn't realize just how much the DDT thing bothered me, but the DDT <laughs> thing really bothered me. I, I think pretty much your whole neighbourhood now knows how much the DD thing bothered you. <laughs> oh, scared all the cats away. It's great. <laughs> oh, poor cats. Um, I've got hit. It just just about sneaks into hit territory for me this week. Uh, and again, Seth versus Drew, I enjoyed. The opener did its job for me. That was okay. Big E was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But the main selling point for me is that I, I try to look at it as, would I go back and watch this again? I think this is quite a historic moment because the belt comes out and the the tournament is announced and we're building towards our first NXT champion ever. So Hmm. for me, yeah, I think this just just sneaks into hit territory for me. Sure. I mean, as I said, I had it down as a hit. Maybe it still is a hit. I'm just still really, really, really bothered by the DDT. (laughs) And, and And if it didn't bother you as an audience member, maybe I'm the one who's wrong. No, the thing is, normally, normally I get so angry about that sort of thing, a DDT, or even even worse, a pile driver drives me batty when mm-hmm. that's not you know dealt with the, the respect it should be dealt with. Yeah, here, okay, I wasn't a fan, but I kind of skirted over it because what came next grabbed my attention again. But sure. you're right; all they had to do was attempt a cover, have a have a near fall, and move so, on. Have a near fall, or have Drew like getting up. If Drew's already on his way up, it makes sense for Seth to pick him up. But he yeah. was flat as a pancake. So in my opinion, Seth, just if, if any situation where the guy's flat out dead, you've got to go for the cover. Yeah, of course. Of course. It is supposed to be a sporting contest that you're trying to win after all. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this week's NXT Look Back, Rise and Fall of the Black and Gold. Uh, Before we depart, though, Joshua, do you want to let a few people know whereabouts they can find you online and so on, my friend? No, don't talk to me this week. No, (laughs) because all you're going to do is rant about DDTs. (laughs) Uh, Joshua Goodwin, PW. Yes, on on Twitter, isn't it? On Twitter, yeah, and I'm on Facebook somewhere somewhere okay no no worries you can follow the network that carries this podcast at sjp world media on twitter and facebook and from there you get links to well first of all links to all the brilliant hosts and co-hosts that are on the network such as joshua himself you'll find his contact details there as well so chuck him a follow and uh, pester him if you do not like the show and (laughs) no no no, no, if you come come to me if you did especially if you disagree with me because we'll we'll discuss it and it'd be great and maybe we'll find some common ground but probably not 
probably not <laughs> uh yeah and all the other shows that are involved on the network you know if, you, if wrestling is your thing which i imagine it would be if you're listening to this we have nitro nights looking back on wcw one show at a time with our good friend scottish danny we have the doctor who pod currently on its end of season break but returning in a few weeks time with our season three with dan griffin uh, the waiting room is back looking at quantum leap one leap at a time with benny mac and benny mac himself has a couple of shows on the network looking at modern day wwe uh, he watches so if you don't want to you don't have to also rsh from the states doing the same thing and then chain wrestling there's so much there so much there you've got a new podcast coming out so you've got a, a, the i only saw it on twitter like a murdery one Murder in Mind, yes. This Murder in Mind. A passion project of our good friend Morty, who uh, uh-huh. has been on the Doctor Who pod before and is one half of the Morty and Fitch podcast. Uh, he has been, shall we say, quite tenacious with trying to get me involved. And eventually I caved. And <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Murder in Mind's BBC document, or oh, not documentary, sorry, a BBC drama series uh-huh. from the early 2000s where it's um, each episode is like a standalone story that looks at a particular crime and, but it's from the view of the killer as opposed to the victim or the police for a change. So it's quite an interesting time. And each each episode is different. There's one episode that stars uh, the guy who played Rodney from only fours and horses in in quite a serious role. There's another episode that has Denise Van Eyten in it. There's another episode that has the guy who played Paro in it. So each episode is, Completely new cast, completely new story. So mm-hmm. apparently it's quite up and down in quality. There's only 20 odd episodes to the show they made. But yeah, okay. we've, re- we've recorded already and it's it was good fun. It was good fun. So, so yeah. Sorry, sorry. You've got another podcast, mate. <laughs> I, have. Truly, I have. Truly the Iron Man, not only of the SJP World Media Network, but of podcasting in general. Cy Powell, the Iron Man <laughs> of podcasts. I don't know about that, my friend. I don't know about that. I enjoy what I do, and I'm very, very fortunate to be able to uh, do it with such brilliant, talented individuals. So, you know, if it wasn't for those people, it wouldn't be happening. But yes, you can find all of that on at SJP World Media. But most importantly, you can find this show on Twitter at NXT underscore rise and fall. That's at NXT underscore rise and fall. Chuck us a follow. Let us know what you think. Uh, Let us know what you're looking forward to. Let us know if you have any memories of NXT at all from this era. And we'll, uh, we'll discuss it on the show. Joshua, it's been a blast again, my friend. I'll speak to you next week. I need to lie down. <laughs> and to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. Yes, on, on Twitter, on, isn't it? Yeah. On Twitter, yeah, and I'm on Facebook somewhere. Yeah somewhere okay no no worries uh you can follow the network that shack that carries oh fuck me i'll do that again (laughs) (laughs) you can fuck me i can't get my words like what's wrong with me i need a new set of teeth mate (laughs) (laughs) i'll do it again yeah you can follow the network that carries this podcast at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook. 